Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. shares a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Pastor J.D. concludes his prophecy update today by explaining how Jesus came to pay your debt. It's as if you were in court accused of a crime which you were, in fact, guilty of. When the judge announced the guilty verdict, Jesus walked in, fully God and fully man. He voluntarily took on your punishment, and you were to go free. He will be your Savior and Lord if you accept this gift. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on August 11, 2019. You know, some of us are just more prone to be worriers and be more fearful than others. Well, I'm one of those people. But God... God just ministered to me something that just, I mean, changed the entire complexion of everything. It has to do with Job. But here's something I never saw before, and the Lord opened my eyes to it. And it's this conspicuous absence of any warning from Satan that he had God's permission to attack him. There's no prior warning. We read nowhere in the narrative, even though God had given permission to Satan, there's no indication at any time that Satan started to tell Job, man, you know what I'm going to do to you? You know what I'm going to do to your family? You know what I'm going to do to your kids? I'm going to kill them. You know what I'm going to do to your wealth? I'm going to take it, all of it. And I have permission to. No mention of it. Conspicuously absent is any warning from Satan prior. Why? The reason that Satan did not warn Job before attacking him is because God did not give him permission to warn Job. He only gave Satan permission to attack him, but not to warn him. Stay with me, please. And this is what I mean by, this is, this is what the enemy does not want you to hear, especially if you're here today and given over to fear. I want to say to you, if that's you, I love you, I feel for you, I know exactly how you feel. You're tormented. Satan has successfully given you a spirit of fear, and it's crippling your life. You are paralyzed in fear. And he's putting 
thoughts in your mind. You know what I'm going to do to you? Oh, this isn't going to end well. You're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose all your income. You're going to lose your wife. You're going to lose your children. That son, that daughter, they're never coming back. The reason Satan, listen please, the reason Satan attacks our minds with fear of what's going to happen? What if? What about? What are you going to do when? Is because he doesn't have permission to do it. And think about this. Were he given permission, he wouldn't warn you anyway. He would just do it the element of surprise, if you will. That's his M.O., is it not? In other words, those thoughts of fear that he's attacking you with, they're not going to happen. You know why? Because if he had permission to do what he's telling you he's going to do, he wouldn't tell you he was going to do it. He would just do it. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Satan attacks my mind with fear, and it's specific to my family, who, who I love more than my own life. My two sons, my daughter, my wife of 31 years, I love them more than my own life. And Satan knows that, because he studies us, you know that, right? Strategically. He's, he's studying us like like those, you know, you see those war photos, those old World War II photos where they're all standing around the table with the map strategizing. That's what Satan does with our life, the map of our life. He's studying us, strategizing, waiting very patiently for the optimum time to attack, and he knows where we're vulnerable. And that's where he attacks. And he knows that's my vulnerability. He knows that he can get to me through my family. So he puts thoughts of fear like, you know, this is going to happen to your son. This is going to happen to your wife. This is going to happen to your daughter. Oh my goodness, she's 12. He puts these thoughts in my mind, you know, uh, and I was sharing this on Thursday night. It's in the Psalms. Uh, where out loud you vocalize praise to the name of Jesus, and you do it out loud because Satan can't stand it. Whenever I'm getting attacked, I, I come against Satan in Jesus' name, out loud say, Satan, I come against you in the name of Jesus. You are a liar. You get out. You are a defeated foe. That is not true. You get out of here. I resist you. You have to flee. And he does. And then I start praising Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. He can't stand it. Hey, put on some worship music that exalts and extols the name of Jesus. He's out of there. Oh, he hates worship music. Let me say this again. This is so important. Please, especially if you are tormented by a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit does not give you fear, but power and love and 
some of your translations render that passage in Timothy, a sound mind, better understood as a disciplined mind. We have to discipline our minds. We, we have to give our minds a good spanking sometimes. We have to bring them under our discipline and say, no, that's wrong. Get out. Paul says, Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are true, you think on those things. That's not true. You're a liar. Everything that comes out of your mouth is a lie because you're the father of lies. So here's how you know that you have nothing to fear. If Satan's attacking your mind, putting thoughts of fear in your mind, guess what? It's not going to happen because he doesn't have permission to do that. And even if he did have permission to do that, he would not attack your mind and tell you beforehand. He would just do it. You know what's really interesting in the book of Job? God says, okay, you can do this, but do not touch him. And Satan went right to the very edge of exactly what God said he could do to Job. Now some of you are thinking, wait a minute, God will give Satan permission to attack me? Okay, now just hang on. You remember when Jesus, <laughs> some of you might even be asking, well wait a minute, didn't uh, Peter get warned that Satan had asked for permission to sift him as wheat? Yes he did. But the warning did not come from Satan, the warning came from Jesus, and it wasn't to create a spirit of fear, it was to strengthen him and encourage him for that which was coming. Peter, come here. Um, so Satan asked, the other day, asked me for permission uh, to sift you as wheat. <laughs> if I'm Peter, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you told him no, right? You said no, you don't have permission. So no, I, I told him yes, he, he can do that. But you're going to make it through. He cannot do anything to you that I did not give him permission to. And I will never give him permission to attack you with fear, because I do not give you a spirit of fear. That's how you can know that whatever that fearful thought is in your mind won't happen, because again, Satan will never tell you ahead of time. Now, let me hasten to say that the only time God will give permission to Satan to attack you is if in the end it is for your good and his glory. <laughs> Listen, the devil is God's devil. He's not God's opposite. He can only do what God gives him permission to do. He cannot touch one hair on your head unless he has permission. God gave him way too much permission to touch the hairs on my head. But anyway, I digress. Do you know <laughs> that there's one mention of Job in the New Testament, and it's in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 11? Listen to this. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. God will never allow the enemy to do anything to you that would ultimately be to your harm 
because that's not His plan for you. His plan for you is not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope, to bless you, to prosper you. He's full of compassion and merciful. Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read verses 36 and 37. For you have need of endurance. I need endurance. Like Job. Oh my goodness. So, after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And I want you to pay particular attention to verse 37. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and will not delay, not tarry. Did you hear that? You're hanging on by a thread. You're being attacked from every side. You've given way too much territory in your life to the devil, and he's got a stronghold. You know what a stronghold is, right? I know this is deeply profound, but it's something that has a stronghold. in your life. Maybe fear has a stronghold in your life today that need not be. God will give you the endurance and for yet a key word, little while. I think about the Apostle Paul who said, our present sufferings, they're, you know, just little. Of course they're little in comparison to eternity. He who is coming will come and will not delay. And by the way, one of the signs that He will not delay His coming, that He is coming very soon, is this fear that is coming upon the whole world as we see it today. This is why we do these weekly prophecy updates. And it's also why we end with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the ABCs of salvation, which is a childlike explanation of salvation, how to be saved. What's the gospel? Well, Paul writing to the Corinthian church in his first epistle, chapter 15, basically says, here's the gospel. Jesus Christ came, He was crucified, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day. That's the gospel. What does that mean? The word gospel means good news. Your debt has been paid, you're free to go. Good news. That's what the word gospel means. Wait, what debt? Oh, you don't know? You've been sentenced to death. And the good news is, is that somebody else went to their death in your stead. So it's like you're in this courtroom with the judge of the universe, and you've been found guilty as charged. And now comes time for the sentencing, and the judge hands down the sentence. Death. Death penalty. And in walks a man. Not just any man. The God-man. Jesus the Christ. 
He walks into that courtroom, he says, hold everything. And he says to the judge, I will pay in his place his death penalty. I will go to my death for him, for her, instead of him, instead of her. And the judge says, good news. Your death's going to be paid in full. You're free to go. That's the gospel. That's the good news of salvation found in the person and the finished work, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank God it's not complicated. Could you imagine if it required that we knew quantum physics to be saved? Shoot me now. I'm toast. I have no hope. It's childlike simple. And the A in the childlike simple ABCs of salvation is for admit or acknowledge that you sinned. You're a sinner. And you need the Savior for the forgiveness of sins. This is what repentance is. It's a changing of one's mind turning from one's sin and turning to the Savior for the forgiveness of sin. That's what the word repentance means. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous. Do you realize there's going to be a lot of really good people in hell and a lot of really, really bad people in heaven? And I'll be at the front of that line, and you'll be not too far behind me. So you might be good, but you'll never be good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Interesting word uh, in the original language for sin. It was an archery term. It meant that you missed the mark. You fell short. You missed the bullseye. So if you're an archer and you shoot the arrow and you miss the bullseye, they they would say, you sinned. (laughs) You sinner. That's what it means. You fell short. You missed the mark of God's perfect standard of righteousness. Romans 6.23. I love Romans 6.23 because it ever so perfectly packages the bad news first, which is important, and then the good news. I think we do err greatly when we don't emphasize that all have sinned. We've all broken God's law. Every single one of us has sinned and transgressed against God. And what is the penalty or the wage for that sin? Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news first. Now I'm ready for the good news. The gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now think about this, and please know that I in no way wish to insult anybody's intelligence. I only want to explain very simply the truth about what a gift is. Is not a gift something that you don't pay for, but somebody else paid for? A gift is something that is given and received. If I pay for it, it's no longer a gift. It's something that I paid for. You know who paid for it? Jesus paid for it. Cost him everything. Cost him his life. 
so that He, after paying in full with His blood for the remission of all of our sin, could offer us this gift, free gift of eternal life. No strings attached, no fine print. Here's the B. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Not you might, not you could, not you should, you will. And the C, lastly, is for call upon the name of the Lord. Or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13. This seals the deal. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Period. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord, I implore you today, while there's still time, today is the day of salvation. If you're watching online, you're not watching this video by accident. I can assure you of that. And if you stuck with it this long, <laughs> there's a reason for that. Today's the day of your salvation. I implore you to call upon the name of the Lord. Why don't you all stand and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord, so much. Oh, Lord. How could we ever thank you enough? Certainly it is impossible this side of heaven to ever adequately express or communicate to you our gratitude and our thanksgiving for the free gift of eternal life, Lord. Lord, I pray for anyone that Maybe today something clicked, something connected. Hearts have been open. Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation as they call upon You, Your name, Jesus, believing in their hearts, that you rose from the dead, putting in you their trust for the forgiveness of all sin. Lord, thank you. And one last thing, Lord. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, even so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kariohe. Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. 
The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in His love.